right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And guess what? This is the first for a podcast, bro. We're having family on our podcast today. How do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, work with that, man. Not only family, like really close family, like DNA close family. Yeah, like the same person, but just a little different. <laughs> like another Willie B. Uh, yeah, man. So my brother is going to join the podcast today. Uh, I have an identical twin. So for those that don't know, um, I have an identical twin, uh, and he's a spitting mirror image of me. We're actually called mirrored identical twins. Uh, so it's like looking in the mirror. I'm right-handed. He's left-handed. Uh, we're about three and a half, four minutes apart. Uh, and ever since we came out of the shoot, me and my brother have always been literally the closest of friends, uh, but also uh, the biggest of competitors. It's sort of um, defined uh, our relationship in life uh, and the great adventures and times that we've shared uh, have always been, you know, just me and my brother. That's uh, that's who I talk to probably most often. Uh, still today, my best friend. Uh, and he, you know, it's funny because having an identical twin, you definitely develop different personalities as you find yourself. And me and my brother, in our younger years, we really did have those defining personalities. He went one way, I went the other. But here, later in life, you know, we always had these commonalities, but here we are later in life and our roads cross or at least so symbiotic um, that they run parallel even today. It's, it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's a, great, uh, that's a great thing. Anytime you can have any sort of connection, and in this case, a seriously deep car connection uh, with a sibling, even a family member, yeah. but a sibling, especially a twin, uh, is pretty awesome. My, my dad's a twin as well, identical twin. Always fun and kind of growing up around that, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure as a kid, they got in all kinds of trouble. I heard all kinds of stories about, you know, swapping <laughs> dates and things, you know, like, hey, I'm not really digging this one. You want to, you know, trade places, <laughs> you know, might have happened. Of, <laughs> yep. All kinds of funny things like that. So I can only imagine the two of you guys. Hey, you hit that nail so on the head because one thing that we always enjoyed and loved was competing in cars. So my dad got us into cars at a very young age, but 
he really tapped out early on to me and my brother's car venturing and and it was because you know me and my brother were so into it and into it both competitively uh against each other but always had each other's back um that really drove us to be um you know uh pretty cool hot rodders in our little town and go on to you know do a lot of cool hot riding type stuff and have you know a couple badass cars that we could always hop in and uh leave a couple stripes and you know light up a crowd or you know uh a, a couple friends it really has kept this fine line between him and myself as my venture has taken me down a certain path as well as his and his brings us you know to, to why he's on the podcast today my brother's always been really gifted in the world of computers um computers were not my thing bro <laughs> uh as you could imagine knowing me a little bit i was like computer <laughs> what uh no that's okay uh i like basketball though um <laughs> so yeah computers never were my thing but my brother man my brother excelled at him he was always really gifted in that realm and that world um so much so it led him down a really incredible path to writing code and and you know doing things for huge companies we all you know we do our banking with for some people that ever you know heard of that little company Wells Fargo and uh, even bigger worldwide companies um his computer knowledge and sort of the just the nature of what he chose as his career path has really led him uh, on, a, on a couple uh, just unbelievable adventures. However, he's always had that commonality in the car world. And now, as you know, Bird, you're an engineer at Ford. It's so funny to hear how cars, you know, we all see it. We've all witnessed it. But that transition from just a, you know, four wheels, um, an IC engine, uh, some sort of manual transmission into a, an 03 speed, maybe a four speed transmission. Um, those things have now morphed into computers with wheels. And really, the technology in cars nowadays is unfathomable. It's unbelievable. Well, when your car breaks down, you're not calling the mechanic anymore. You're calling IT. You know, hey, man, I got to reboot this thing. Uh, so it's kind of cool for, for full circle, you know, because your brother's constantly been in the car scene. Uh, and constantly, you know, like you, just kind of competing on your builds, on who's faster, who's doing what in the car world. Uh, and, you know, he's gone through that full adventure of, of really kind of mastering uh, the computer space, the software and everything else. Uh, and to see him kind of come back, again, full circle uh, into the tuning side and the operation uh, of the vehicle. And, and it's such a huge advantage uh, we're going to talk about here in a little bit, really getting into tuning, but understanding what's going on inside, uh, not only the engine, because a lot of us, you know, go back to the carburetor days and we're like fuel, spark, compression, you know, yada, yada, yada. But now you're blending in all this controls, control strategy, uh, you're writing scripts, whatever it is to, you know, really eke out every bit of the engine, understand things like uh, knock sensors and signals and everything else. Uh, so you got the durability, you got the performance, you got the efficiency. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty fun conversation from a guy who's really pieced together all the elements. Uh, and yeah, man. really rocking out there in the tuning world. It's tuning on a whole different level. And at the end of this podcast, I will tell you what happened on my first day of computer class in college. It's, it's a day that will <laughs> forever live in infamy in my mind. I, I will explain what happened on my first day of computer class in college. That's at the end of the podcast. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Kevin Bird, Willie B, and my identical twin brother, 
on the podcast next. Stick around. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And guess who else joins this podcast? I'm fired up. So, obviously my name, I wasn't born Willie B. I earned that name. Um, I actually probably copied it from my brother, whose real name, we, he goes by Billy, but his name is William. Um, and uh, it's funny because, you know, growing up with an identical twin uh, and a guy that, you know, we basically looked just the same. We grew up loving cars, being freaks about them. Here's what happened to me. I don't know whether I got dropped on, the, on my head or, or I don't know uh, what exactly happened. I decided a long time early on in the game, I was a fan of the Dodge Charger and always gravitated towards Mopars. Whereas my brother, welcome to the podcast, bro. He was a, a true Chevrolet man through and through. <laughs> and that's right. That's right. Always been in my nature for GMs. So. Yeah, man. Well, hey, we, we brought you on today, bro, because well, a couple things. You know, computers have really taken over how you tune and how your car performs. Uh, and you've really not only excelled in computers your entire life, um, as I might have noted prior, uh, my brother is president of the computer club. Uh, I ended up senior class president. So we went different routes. But, dude, this cat, when it comes to computers, uh, this guy is where I go for everything. Anytime I've got problems, questions, uh, he's always been a great resource. And it really has landed him uh, in a lot of great adventures throughout his life. But in the car world, it's changed his, his world up a little bit because now – he went out recently. He's he's bought a dyno. He's been going to all these classes and courses. He's been how long have you been tuning using an HP tuner, bro? It's several years, I know. But when did you first get into it? Well, I, I got into it, but actually, when I bought that Firehawk uh, back in two thousand one. So if you think it's really twenty years, two decades of HP tuners capacity for for LS ones, hard to believe when you think, oh, it's a new platform out there. No, it's been around for twenty plus years. So uh, I, I guess I really started hard and heavy on the tuning side about 2003 or four. That was when uh, I, I first took my car in to get it tuned. And I used to take it to a bunch of tuners or I would fly people in. Uh, you know, we both had, uh, you know, blower cars, turbo cars before be it my Malibu, your charger, et cetera. You know, it, it was it was very expensive to get someone to come work on those things and tune it. And when you looked at what they did, um, it was really just figuring out what we do with carburetor setup is figuring out the air, the fuel, the spark um, in a means that was really close, near and dear to my heart, which was computers and started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? 
I, I could do this and, and I think I could do it better than some of the people that were coming in and I was paying a you know, couple thousand dollars to do it. So spent some time, uh, read a bunch. Uh, you know, we have always had a knack for cars and understanding how engines work. And that's the fundamentals of any tuning It's just knowing being mechanically inclined enough, enough to know how a car works, you know, knowing what it takes to get one running. I was, I, I laugh and say this a little bit, you know, kind of telling on myself, but uh, I was trying to get a car going uh, probably a month ago. And you know what it worked out to be? What? There wasn't any gas in it. <laughs> <laughs> it was out of gas. I'm like, I'm like, huh? Oh, that's it, everybody, at some point, man. Especially back in the old days when gas gauges were kind of like, you know, here or there. <laughs> yeah. It's like me when I right. swipe my debit card. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> um, but you know, but you're you're so right, man. And computers have have definitely changed how you go about programming the car, but. You know, nowadays uh, they're more important than ever. Seeing what what is happening out there in the world, and and you know, uh, props to you. You're going through all the schooling now. You know, I know you got some some classes in your near future, but you recently purchased the dyno, and you know, you're taking tuning to this next level. What what are some things in your opinion to mind when you're first getting into it? Kind of lay out what maybe somebody who's listening is like. Okay, I, I wouldn't mind tune in my own car, learning about it. What, what are some of the first steps? What are things we should consider either going to purchase, reading, or buying? Or how do we get our toes in the water? You know, the, the great thing about today's world is information is available. Only thing you have to do is search for it, right? So there's all kinds of forums. There's all kinds of, you know, boards, even, even Facebook uh, has boards and, you know, chat rooms and groups for tuning. If you, if you go look, if you're interested in the HP tuner side of the house, they have a group for HP tuners tuning. So, um, you know, th there's groups there. If you go to uh, hptuners.com, their website, they have a forum on their website with all kinds of links. And honestly, if you ask any, any younger person out there, they're going to tell you YouTube and, and they're right. YouTube has literally thousands upon thousands of videos of how to tune. And to start start off, I'd say, um, you know, know the mechanics, know the fundamentals, know a little bit about, you know, spark, fuel, you know, air in a car. What's it take to make an engine just operate? So understand the mechanics of an engine, because honestly, tuning is just interpreting those mechanics in a way that, you know, combined with the, the sensors that are available in today's engine to make it easy to, to make the engine do what you want it to do. And honestly, tuning really isn't that complicated it's just knowing where to find the information to be able to speak the language of your car um you know each car each system has a little bit of a different language that they speak it takes some different uh you know turns of the knobs if you will through an electronic means but it's easy to get there i think back on the my 87 grand national you know you could you could tune it it was a chip you couldn't do it with a laptop. You did it with a gas pedal. You literally turned yeah. the air conditioner on. You had something called a scan master. Hit the pedal four times. and this. Thing. Yeah. So you yeah. could, you know, just when you think about tuning, it's all about how you access the systems that are on the car that you need to manipulate. So if you understand the mechanics and you know how to get to those systems, then tuning is just a matter of putting that puzzle together. What do you find the most helpful? Because uh, you, you kind of went, you know, way back when playing around with HP tuners, you know, on the fly, just kind of learning as you go, which, you know, can be great because that's how most of us probably learn how to work on cars and such. But, you know, we know that you can make some pretty critical errors 
uh, tune in your vehicle and pop a motor pretty quick. Uh, so you kind of went that route for a number of years and then you went, you know, the full training route, the full professional route, along with, you know, kind of searching the internet for various pieces. Uh, what have you found the most helpful uh, along the way? You know, experience is a great teacher and, and failure is a great teacher. There's been times where I've worked on a tune and it's just ran like a, a dog. I mean, it's just been bad. Like, okay, let's, let's see exactly what I did um, and, and made it work. And, and again, Kevin, that's, you bring up a great point. The, the OEM systems that are out there, be it a Dodge, a Ford, a GM, imports, et cetera, there's enough sensors and technology built into a car today where if you pay attention to what the car is telling you, it, it tells you what it needs. Whether you can log stuff through something called a histogram, um, that will tell you kind of if you're commanding a certain air fuel, if you're commanding a certain amount of timing, it'll tell you how far off the deviation is from what you're commanding. So again, some of it goes back to the mechanics. If you know what the engine needs and you know how to access the systems to, to interpolate what the, the car is telling you, then it's easy to just fix and correct what it is that your, your target air fuel should be or your timing table should be. Um, you know, what RPM you want to cut the engine off, those type things. I, for the most part, I'd say um, experience is a great teacher. Failure is a great teacher. There's there's easier ways to learn. And that's by leveraging some of the content that's out there publicly available on some of the forums, YouTube, et cetera. Um, don't blow an engine and the quest for knowledge, uh, you know, play with it. And small baby steps. Baby steps are important. Yeah, that's a key, man. Yep. Yeah. Don't, don't just go throw a bunch of spark at it and like, I want to make some power because <laughs> you're going to make some shrapnel real fast, but yeah, get some baby steps in there. And, and, and I'll tell you, um, you know, growing up on carburetors, uh, you know, I've been in, in uh, powertrain design and Ford for so many years. So I get access and see so many things, uh, that I, I just have a natural comfortness around, but I get the fact that there's a lot of folks, uh, you know, you know, wanting, or maybe, uh, you know, getting tired of the carburetor side, wanting to get more into fuel injection EFI uh, and just intimidated. Uh, but it's like you said, you know, when you say histogram, you know, I can see a lot of people going, what's a histogram? <laughs> I, you know, but, but what I would say is, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like an ATM. There's a lot of complicated stuff going on inside of there, but all you got to do is know how to put your card in, put your pin in and tell it how much money you want, you know, and it, and it spits it out. So the, Computer is doing a lot of stuff that you don't need to know. You just need to know the important stuff, your pin, where the card goes, ex you know, which account you want from, um, you know, just to break it down and take some of the fear out of, yeah, but there's a lot of tools in there like the histogram and other things that tell you so much more about what's going on. You know, is your knock sensor pinging, right? Do you have too much spark in there? Something that you might not have picked up on without that feedback from the computer. So that's a really powerful thing. Once you kind of break through the fear, once you get a little bit of exposure, uh, you find that, man, it's such a great world to be in the electronic side than it is to be in the pure mechanical side. Absolutely. And something we should note too is something you should always note is make one change. All right. Just one. Don't go throw all kinds of different changes uh, at it and then expect some dramatic um, difference uh, and be able to, you know, locate an issue or a problem. Make one change. See if you get any progress. Then go back and make another change. Uh, I always tell people, man, don't change two, three, four different things at once because then you, you don't know 
what made an impact and what made a difference. Um, like he said, you know, small steps, small increments, uh, and make one change at a time and then evaluate it, then make another change, evaluate it. Uh, and really, that's when you start to, to really get in and snatch up some of those margins that the OEs leave behind. And um, I, I will ask you this, Bill. Um, when you see some of these margins, I tell people all the time that, that when they go buy a new car or I- any car for that matter, new or used, uh, there's a good chance that nobody's been in there tuning yet. There's a lot of craziness that goes on on the factory side just for warranties and, you know, the mileage and the efficiency and so forth. But there's a lot of performance. You can go in and snatch up some of that timing, some of that spark. You know, you don't have to have, you know, the whole engine go to sleep while the transmission makes a shift and then wake back up and grab some RPMs. You could actually have those things work uh, together and uh, it actually will prolong the life of your transmission in some cases. There's a lot of those margins that the factory just has there that you can manipulate. One of the fastest things you'll ever see in a car is just changing up how the transmission works. You could leave the engine exactly like it is, but you could change how the transmission shifts and what occurs during that shift and make a notable difference in how the car is responding and reacting at the track. Absolutely. Oh, no doubt, especially in some of these like eight speed and 10 speed transmissions where there's just probably too many gears in there uh, and they're really focusing on, you know, the fuel efficiency, which is great. But like you said, uh, to go in there and, and, and really tune and optimize those gear shifts uh, to put you in the performance side of things uh, can be a great kind of out of the box on a stocker. Right. Something the factory does to protect the transmission life. And you can do this a couple of different ways, but the factory will drop about 10 degrees of timing every time the transmission shifts. So it softens the performance of the car tremendously. And you can, you can fix that very easy. And you can also take the time that it shifts because the factory's built in a lot of time delay in the shifting of gears. You can take that out. You can up the shift pressure. You know, you're right, bro. You can do just a ton with the transmission, up the line pressure, just to help add a cooler to the transmission to help the fluid capacity stay longer, um, and and really increase the performance significantly by never touching the engine, just touching the transmission side of the house. Yeah, and if you know what you're doing, just to add on to that, some of that is actually better for the transmission instead of having these long, soft spongy shifts that you know most people driving around enjoy the cushiness of you're really slipping those clutches internally in the in the automatic transmission uh so sometimes getting a good bite on them just undoing locking back in is better for performance and for the life of that transmission at least the clutches part if you're not hammering so hard that you're breaking stuff Amen to that. Absolutely. All right, so look, we got more questions, but we'll get those answers here in just a second. We got to take a break. It's the Two Guys Ride podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. We're back in just a minute. It is the Two Guys Garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And my identical twin brother, my boy Billy, who's been a. Uh, this has been the best brother anybody could ever ask for. Not only has he been my best friend because he's my brother, he's my best competitor in the car world, man. Every time, uh, he's the biggest cheerleader and uh, for sure the biggest competitor. We've we've raced so many times, man. We used to drive each other nuts racing our cars. Actually, he's probably got a really funny story how he first got into hot rodding, which involves me and the front porch of my girlfriend at the time. Shout out Christy Gwynn. What up, girl? This is true. Um, this is very true. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're talking tuning and and my brother has has really 
Um, he's gone off the deep end with it. He went and bought a dyno. He started this Warlock tuning. Um, he's been doing a lot of tuned in and around the Kentucky area. And Kevin, this is a this is a place where you know where drag racing, bro. You can go drag racing at five, six, eight different tracks inside an hour or two, man. It's uh, it runs rich there in the uh, the eastern sort of central part of Kentucky, bro. That's for sure. There's a lot of competition. We have tracks open, um, <laughs> open honestly in about about two or three weeks. They're already got uh, all, all kinds of events, you know, lined up and ready to go. So. Uh, people getting their cars ready, and you'll see a lot of lot of stuff coming together. I know about uh, six different groups of guys that are headed down to Florida here next weekend for the Braderton race, the first street car takeover. So it should be a little fun time. Hey, my boy Victor does a great job at that track. That's a great event, and uh, all the boys, um, I know a bunch of them are going to be down there having a blast, man. Um, hey, question for you, dude. Uh, you know, tuning cars nowadays is so drastically different. Um, there's a lot of people that have the fortune now of being able to go to their local junkyard, right? Or, you know, hop on, you know, Facebook or eBay or whatever, find themselves an LS, a 5.3, uh, a crate engine that has, you know, body control module and an ECM and all this stuff. What do they need to make it work? Because Kevin and I oftentimes talk about doing all these LS swaps and a lot of different platforms, but man, getting it to run is a whole different it's a whole different gig. Uh, what are you seeing out there that makes this transition really easy? Uh, and, you know, for us on this end, uh, you know, simplest form possible. You know, there's probably five or six different pieces of software that you can download and, and they're free. They're, you know, you just search for them on, on Google or on DuckDuckGo, whatever search engine you want to use that, that help you out and get you started. The first thing you're going to need to really do with the LS engine is honestly turn the vats off, the anti-theft system on the ECM. So if you go grab one from a junkyard, everything else, it's going to have some sort of vehicle anti-theft device on it, some sort of system there. You can turn that off. And honestly, you need maybe four to five different connections on that LS engine, a battery, uh, you know, permanent battery hot and a key hot. And that's about it. It's a really easy system to get going and started. Heck, you could even do it with a carburetor if you wanted less connections, but they're super easy to get started. You can strip out that wiring harness yourself. You can buy one for a couple hundred bucks uh, from like a BP Automotive or even eBay, Amazon have wiring harnesses that you can buy that are already standalone based harnesses. They have some uh, fuses and relays already set up in them. Only thing you need to do is provide about three connections to it and that'll get your LS up and going. Uh, from the ECM standpoint, again, the biggest thing is that BATS, that vehicle anti-theft device. Uh, once you turn that off, you're free to really start that thing and, and have at it. You're going to run into some issues depending upon if you're going to put headers, um, you know, what type of exhaust you're going to run. Because honestly, the EPA is getting their hands in on a lot of different uh, aftermarket tuning situations with regards to what they're letting you turn off from an emission standpoint. So that's something to note these days as well. What about the EVAP? Uh, can can it run without having to go in and do anything particular with EVAP or uh, will it just go and no, you know, it thinks it's, it's fully functional and whatnot? Yeah. So if you're going to leave, if your junkyard engine comes with some of those controls on it and those modules on it, you can certainly leave that on. I will say 99% of the people out there take that off the first thing they do when they get that engine from the junkyard. So you can leave that on in the system. It will cause a little bit of a stutter, but you can certainly go in and turn that off, turn the vats off, 
turn the EGR off on those things with some of that freeware software that's out there and available off the internet. A um, couple different systems to do that. Certainly HP tuners will do that as the most common out there for LS platforms, but there's other systems. HP tuners will cost you a little bit to do those things, right? Anytime you access an ECM, a, a control module for an LS-based engine, it's about a hundred bucks of you know to license that ecm there's some systems out there where you can do those things that you don't have to pay a license for so those are kind of some of the fun ones sloppy mechanics does a good job at that what's well, nice though one yeah once you've kind of licensed that that 100 bucks you can go in there pretty much forever and tune that particular ecm Oh, absolutely. You can have unlimited access to do different things to it. And that's, you know, I, I recommend HP tuners and that's the, you know, the, the availability of it to, to really reach out and touch every part of those subsystems, be it the transmission, be it um, you think, what do you need for like a turbo setup? I, I heard my brother mention maybe an aftermarket turbo setup on an LS. That's a real popular system to do. You can you can do a what they call a speed density based system, a map based system. Some people still run the mass sensor, the uh, you know mass airflow sensor. Um, you know if you want to get rid of that, you switch to the speed density. A lot of different options are available, but you're right. Once you license it one time, you never have to worry about licensing it again. So, and which of those systems would you recommend? Well, if you're if you're having a stock, you know a stock LS. Um, you can keep the math. The math gives you a lot of uh, flexibility with regards to elevation, altitude changes, performance changes on the on the car, and you can do things like a you know aftermarket uh, uh, camshaft. You can do some things, and and the math compensates for a lot of that. Not all of it, certainly, but compensates for a lot of it. Now, if you're going to go with a forced induction system, be it a supercharger or a turbo. I'd absolutely um, recommend like a speed density based tune where you you don't have that mass, that manifold uh, or that uh, mass airflow sensor being a restrictive part of the equation. Because on, honestly, a mass airflow is great for uh, a daily driver. It's great for um, kind of compensating for some of those changes. But if you go over about 14 pounds of boost, it's out of range. It's out of its, it can't read air more, you know, more than 14 pounds of boost and it can't read past a certain frequency. So it has trouble with, with forced induction situations. Can you not, uh, on the stock one, can you change, uh, like the map, uh, more bars? Yeah. yeah you change can the map so, on it and, yep. and extend that range out a little bit further. Yep. So you're talking about a, the, a manifold air pressure sensor, the MAP sensor. So the MAF, mass airflow sensor, is what sits in your air intake prior to the throttle body. That's the thing I was talking about earlier, which runs out of frequency range. Your MAP sensor on the typically the back of the intakes or top of the intakes, manifold air pressure sensors, those things are great. You can get a two bar, a three bar. Um, and, and imagine, if you will, uh, each bar representing about, uh, let's just say, eight to 10 pounds of boost per second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. So GM makes a three bar one that you can get that, that works really well. So can you take a GM stock controller and run it in uh, speed density mode from multiple different years? Or are you switching then to an aftermarket? Nope. So you can take a, a number of different GM ECMs. Uh, the very first ones that came out, so your 97, 98, 041 ECMs, those won't really support what they call a speed density system. But really anything after about 2003, 4, those will all support the, the speed density based uh, 
tuning system, right? So you can switch those to speed density under HP tuners and have a, all kinds of uh, flexibility to tune your car with a forced induction setup, you know, as much as you want to. So it, it, it's a great system from a factory ECM standpoint, they, they do really well. I, and honestly, I, I give bro, I, I give Dodge a shout out. Their system uh, do, does really well from a forced induction tuning on some of the Hellcats and, and whatnot. Those systems are, are good systems from a, just a factory ECM standpoint. Now, what point, you know, if you're getting pretty radical on, on boost or anything else, uh, do you just kind of eject and go aftermarket or can you just kind of keep driving once you've swept, swapped over from a, a mass airflow to a map speed density type uh, setup? Can you just kind of keep going in the more radical builds and boost levels? And You know, it, think of it as, as what input outputs do you want to control? Do you want to have a, a built-in two-step? Do you, does your factory ECM have something called a, a wideband support? So most factory ECMs don't. They have what they call narrowbands. If you, if you think about O2 sensors in a car, they have a, a short-term and a long-term fuel trim that they look at. To adjust the car's air and fuel ratios but they really if you're doing force induction you're getting kind of wild you really need to look at a wide band and most aftermarket ecm setups that's where they're really you know have the ability to shine is they have a, a wide band functionality versus a narrow band they also have a lot of flexibility built into um you know, if you want a, a built-in two-step, if you want a built-in launch control, if you want to do some of those boost by gear stuff, that's a little more challenging to do. On yes, yes, <laughs> you, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's, I mean, you, you're kind of nailing the trade-off because uh, the OEM uh, processor, at least historically, has got some really great refinements in there, um, you know, from idle quality and transitions and stuff like that, transients. Um, so it, and it, it's got a lot of good tuning. Uh, so you're modifying. So you're just moving the things that, you know, you've sort of changed. And so you, you can only, you only have to deal with those portions of the map sometimes. So the OEM controller and software strategy can be fantastic up to a point where you want to start adding some features that weren't originally in there. And then you got to make that big decision to, you know, drop a bunch of coin, you know, completely <laughs> switch right. over and then map the entire engine and all its you know speed load spaces and idle and cold starts and and everything else now granted you know for any kind of configuration there's probably a tune similar to what you're going to do that you can drop in there and get a good start point and then kind of work from there but yeah that's your kind of decision point is is how how radical am i going to go and how many different features do i want before you jump from a really high quality oem controller uh, that you can kind of get into with some aftermarket software and then you dive into an aftermarket system. Absolutely, Kevin. Nailed it. I'll say the the aftermarket systems, they're they're getting better about their quote unquote wizard process and some of the auto learn functions. Their transitions on part throttle to what you know wide open throttle, those still need a lot of work. But I, I give my hats off to systems like the Holly system for for honestly a, a cheap amount of money you can get you know, a, a Holly Terminator system, which the functionality in that thing is incredible for what you get for it. I mean, built in, you know, wideband support has comes with the wideband. You get uh, launch control. You get a, a lot of input output controls that really is, you know, for the money. I, that thing is hard to beat. I, I, I kind of give my hats off to that thing. 
for the money, they own every race company on earth. (laughs) (laughs) They don't buy everybody. So, yeah, they should have it all there. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Uh, It is. What's a a good, you know, maybe a couple lessons learned uh, to really, you know, Kind of give out to the the new guy out there that's kind of starting to tinker around or, or thinking about getting into it. Yeah, that. man, he got himself an HP tutor. He's wanting to play. Um, what are the first things he should watch out for? Well, first thing to back up that HP tutor is get you a wideband. Flat out, don't guess yeah. at that game. Get you a wideband. That's the – and honestly well, – Well, real quick, absolutely. for anybody that doesn't know, you know, the, the wideband versus the narrow. You know, the narrow is just – Barely telling you you're rich or you're lean, but you have no idea where you are other than you're rich and you're lean. So you're you're either black or you're white. Uh, but the wide band tells you exactly, right? I'm 14.7. I'm I'm this. I'm you know 15.2. So you know exactly how rich or how lean you are at any given moment. And that is, you know, that's kind of like the X-ray, man. You're looking inside the body there. You see the broken bones. Uh, you know exactly what you're doing before yep. you start the surgery. Nailed it. <laughs> great, great example there, Ken. Yeah, you're sniffing what's that's not right. burning, man. That's right. So what will be another one besides a wideband? Because I, I think that's definitely, man, you, you hit it with number one right there. So, yeah, wideband is your lifesaver. Second, I, I would say, um, you know, a, a, a dyno helps. It's, it's uh, I, I say that with a little bit of jest because I, I just broke down and bought one. But being able to to look at how the car is acting, to hold it at a specific RPM, a specific resistance or speed and whatnot, and really dive into what the car is doing. Oh, that's, that's great. And you don't have to worry about hitting oncoming traffic, running off the side of the road or anything else. So, or cops or cops <laughs> that that's important as well. So that's where I was going. Yep. So, um, you know, it, it's just a much safer route from that standpoint. Now, if you if you don't have that, you know, and, and not, you know, um, they're kind of hard to find or expensive or whatnot. Uh, get yourself a good friend, you know, to to hold that laptop and and that can assist you if you're driving down on the road and doing it. And I'll say the best thing you can do on some of these systems is learn the logging function. So you can't you can't see what's going on as you're driving it, but what you can always do is log it and go back and look at it, you know, the retrospective, go back and look and see, hey, what was my air fuel doing? What was my TPF, my throttle position sensor doing, you know, and and how much timing do I have? What's my fuel injector do? It's like, you know, those type of things that you're trying to look at as you're driving, don't do that. Just log the log the stuff, make small baby steps at each change, go back, look at the logs. The logs will tell you everything that's going on yeah, if you set it up right. Data logging is essential in any car build, in any performance-driven uh, machine. You, you got to have that accessibility. You got to be able to go back and see where you broke the tires for you, or where, where it fell on its face, or you know whether or not the uh, the nitrous solenoid opened, or how much boost you were putting on it. Uh, all those things you could log in and see what happened uh, after the fact. You don't have to worry about keeping your eyes uh, on a laptop when you should be keeping it on the road. Hey, man. That's right. and there's so many things going on, too. You're like, well, let me look through yeah. my list, you know, check, check, check. Okay, cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, you mentioned the dyno because back when, you know, three or 400 horsepower, 500 horsepower was a rage, you could kind of get to those speed loads, you know, maybe some public <laughs> roads. Uh, on ramps. Fairly easily. But, yeah, if you're pushing, you know, four – four figures on the horsepower number, whatever. Sometimes it's hard to hit those, you know, full power load <laughs> spots. Oh, ab- and, uh, absolutely. You know, 
you want to be able to walk up on them, you know. <laughs> Mexico's so, a long drive. Yeah, yeah, that's most right. of us. Hey, there's there's one <laughs> right. other thing that I'll say that's that I, I have learned, and and honestly, bro, I learned this really on you know your vet. It was one another one that I learned it or got reminded of it. Always, always, always make a copy of your tune. So before you start changing anything, download that tune and make a copy of it somewhere before you start any changes or anything else. You always want to start with a clean file. So if you can get, if you're tuning like a, a let's say a 2013 Camaro or a 2019 Challenger, whatever it is, take that original file, save that thing off somewhere. So you always have it to go back to. Um, that's something that's really important is, you know, access to a library of stock files because sometimes a, a file can get corrupt. It can get challenging to see what other people have done on that file, et cetera. So it's nice to be able to start clean. So I, I'd say always keep a, a good copy of a clean file, clean, you know, uh, image that you're working with. So there you go, man. There Amen. you go. Amen to that. Uh, all right, so before we go, man, um, one hot rod memory with us. Go ahead, throw it against the wall. What do you got? Oh, God. Um, I, I'll say 77 white Camaro. Um, had ragged that engine to death, that poor car to death. And you, you, oh, came, yeah. you came out. I was living off Nicholasville Road, and we were doing pools. You know, it has a gear drive on it. It had nitrous on it. It was a souped-up high-compression, old-school 355. Cops pull us over and, like, what are you guys doing? And and we tell them that we're checking out the transmission because it's got a gear drive. It whines when you crack on it. So he's like, yeah, I, I hear that transmission whining. Sounds like it's really going to go out. But it was a gear drive in the car. I'm like, that guy does not know anything about cars. So, um, but we we got away with it. No no ticket. So that was cool. Hell, last time I was with him, we got pulled over. You know, that, that makes me think. I need a recording. I need just a recording and a speaker and whatever hot rod of just some ugly <laughs> grinding noise. And, and whenever I'm just getting on it, I'll just play that speaker. Uh, so if I get pulled over, I'll be like, man, it's the transmission or it's... It's the Fitzer valve. Yeah. It's the, you should have you that, know, Kevin. You work at you name Ford. It. No, I'm just kidding. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Warlock Tuning and Dino, is that it? That's it, bro. All right, man. That's my brother's new gig, and uh, I couldn't be happier for you, man. You've always been great in the world of cars, and uh, I, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm so happy you're, you're headed down this road. I can't wait to see uh, what you're, uh, you're able to do with all your friends and all the cars that are in that neck of the woods, man, they're all fast and I'm sure you're just going to make it faster. <laughs> so keep <laughs> so up the great work, man. Uh, and don't forget about our show airing on weekends on the Motor Chit Network. Check your local listings. Also available now streaming on demand, which is a great way to find us. Uh, don't forget my man who produces the show. His name is Scoop, our executive producer, the one and only Bob Ecker. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we thank you for joining the podcast. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us on social. We're everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, the Two Guys Garage podcast, it's copyright 2022, Brenton Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. All right, man, first day of computer class, freshman in college. You ready for this? So I get this class. Bro, I ain't never taken computer class. I, I go, okay, what's this building I'm going in? Here I am, man, like, you know, fresh off a basketball court or something. And I'll, I'll roll in computer class. The teacher writes something on the board, some kind of fraction, M, something in the square, this and that, whatever. And he's like, okay, have code for this 
by tomorrow, this is your first homework assignment. Bro, I got right up out of that class, <laughs> went and unregistered for it. I was like, no, no, I don't know the first thing he's talking about. I'm out of this. <laughs> that was the last time I ever entered foot into a computer class and uh, probably the last time I ever will. <laughs> Guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was great talking to you. Likewise, so, man. Take it easy, bro. All right. All right, man. That was fun catching up with both of you guys. I hope you guys had a good time. I know I did. Hope you learned a little bit, and we'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.